0: I don't do this for the money, and I don't mind the overtime. Well, I love to plant and watch things grow the way it feels when I combine. Sometimes it's hard because you never know if it's rain or wind or shine. But there's nothing I love doing more, and i farm until I die.
1: All right, well, that is a hit in the making, Farm Until I Die music and lyrics and production by ken jackson now he also has a day job Um, he is the ceo of a saskatchewan-based company called vera grain it's a grain sampling system and we're going to get into all that in just a moment but ken welcome and thank you and you wrote that really is a tribute to your dad and we'll get on to that in a moment too let me introduce the other fellow who's sitting there in a room, you may recognize him. He is, of course, the Vice President of Strategic Development at Veragrain, but he was also the Premier of Saskatchewan. From 1982 to 1981, Grant Devine. Thank you, uh, Grant, for joining us today. This is really a treat.
2: Well, it's my pleasure. Nice to be with you. And 82 to
1: 91. Yeah, 82 to 91. Did I not say that properly?
2: I think you
0: said 81.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that that would be going backwards. That won't work. <laughs> okay, we'll just we'll uh, stand corrected now. Grant also, of course, is uh, a bachelor in science and uh, a doctorate in agricultural economics. But that will all become clear as we have this conversation. So let me just go back, Ken, to you and and this song that uh, you wrote. Is this some secret desire to be a country and western star? Um.
3: No, actually, not. And, and 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 who knows where music comes from? But uh, it uh, just kind of popped into my head uh, one day, uh, driving down the road, of course, out uh, with the fields uh, on the horizon. Uh, yeah. you no, know, it just uh, just came out one day, and uh, I mean, I've, I've been involved with music pretty much all of my life but made a uh, made a decision that I wasn't about to spend uh, my time on uh, on a bus promoting so uh, <laughs> I, I veered off into egg uh, uh, tech and and that's where and, I,
1: and earning a living earning, yes yes <laughs> but this was a tribute to your father who just just turned 93 yes so yeah. he was obviously a farmer in U2 in the early days
3: and and he he loved it, you know. And and you see that in so many so many of the farmers that I deal with, uh, really, you know, I just love the life. And and uh, I I knew a long time ago I didn't have the heart or the stomach to be a farmer, so I I chose to do my uh, my part and, and try and create uh, uh, yeah. better products for them.
1: It it is the hardest job in the world. There's no question. And Grant, you know that from. Uh, you're growing up on a farm yourself, but also your life in politics. I mean, that's core to the the future of our province, the the sustenance of our province.
2: Well, and that's true. The food industry is the biggest industry in the world. And we've been blessed with 47% of the farmland in Canada. So it's it's huge for us and it's huge for our, our customers worldwide. And so the, the better we can do, and the more efficient we can be, uh, the more success we'll have. And it's a it's a risky business. And so you need all the technical help you can because you can't control the weather. You can't control markets. So you have to be tough enough and strong enough. So that's why we're interested on an economic point of view on the whole efficiency of the supply chain. So it's, it's really interesting to be involved with Ken as he's designed this bit of agriculture tech magic, if you will.
1: The the inventor of, of the process. When you read about Vera Grain, it says, and and this is a, a phrase we all know from the prairies, but making every bushel count. And you have said that you're exceptionally lucky if you can get one opportunity in a lifetime to do something that makes that really makes a difference uh, for people. So Ken tell me how this all came to be.
0: Well, about
3: a, I guess i would say a dozen or maybe more years ago um i again i have been involved developing you know, pr- products for most of my life this is my f- uh, fifth company uh and, and all uh, all to do with with manufacture you know manufacturing of products or development of manufacturing and and so um i just said that at some point i saw that there was this issue which had existed you know as long as I c- could remember which is you know if you don't get a good sample uh, or a representative sample uh, of the grain you really after that you you can't tell what you have with any accuracy you can't analyze it with any accuracy and so it makes it really difficult to uh, you know sort of transact when the you know the, the grower doesn't really know what they have and the buyer isn't sure what they're buying and so um, you know, to it, it just makes it a, a challenge. And, and the buyers typically have been on the sort of winning side of that challenge historically. Right. Um, and so uh, you know we're we're saying, look at, here's a, a tool um, that we've developed which can you know, help the grower get a, a an accurate representative sample.
1: Let, let's just back it up a minute yeah. here because there's not everybody that to, listens to us that actually understands this process. Mm-hmm. So sure. there are the fields planted and people drive by them and they see the nice canola or they see the wheat fields or whatever it may be. But you harvest that crop and then you've got to take it to an elevator or a terminal. And that's where the negotiations go on about price. So it's a question of quality. And if you got rain in August or if you got frost in September or whatever it might be, there could be an impact. So what do people do now? Just go out to the bin and grab a handful and say, gee, it looks like a three.
3: I, I had a conversation with one of the grain graders from Richardson, and I said, how how do you receive samples? Like, how do these actually show up? And he said, imagine anything you can put a bit of grain in. And and so, you know, I think that really sets the stage for, you know, what we're trying to solve here. So, that, you know, the, typically, and I could have described this often, that, that and it's gotten more sophisticated because growers have gotten larger and more sophisticated, but it's it's still sort of exists that the way grain is sold is the grower goes to his you know a few grain buyers and and says, you know, here's my sample, what'll you give me And you know that sample as they go from buyer to buyer actually may may vary because of the way it was taken if it wasn't taken and and, and mixed pro- you know split properly. So it's you know the it, it's a, it's a challenge uh, that the, the growers and the buyers uh, both have and ultimately, um, where the rubber, you know, literally hits the road is when the truck pulls in the driveway to drop the load at the elevator and, and they, you know, check in and say, okay, well, this is what I actually got. So
1: we may have to have a conversation here. And, and if you see those trucks on the road, I mean, they're huge with yeah. two, three bins being and, and you're going to take your Tim Hortons cup and take out a scoop and, and kind of count on that to be your pricing mechanism.
3: Yeah. So in a way, it's very important the way that samples are taken to ensure that they do actually represent w- what is being sold. You know, you see, you just can't stick your hand in the front of the bin and, and right. get a sample. Yeah.
1: So this is going to be a piece of equipment that is going to test this at various stages. Like, Just explain what this app, this technology is going to do.
3: Sure. Well, okay. Let me start with sort of the simplest of, of, uh, component that we're, we're fixing. And that is if, you know, even if you're using your scoop on a stick, which, you know, since since I was a, on the farm and, uh, you know, where we had a, a cutoff hockey stick and, a, and an empty tin can on the end of it, <laughs> um, it has now progressed to where they actually have these really nice looking molded plastic uh, scoop on a sticks. <laughs> still the same thing. Um, so but if if you are diligent about getting samples manually, you can still get a good representative sample. The fundamental problem is that especially at harvest time, it's chaos and, and yeah. you're trying to get your truck emptied and get another bin ready to go and move the auger. And, and so um, th- you know, there's a lot of distractions. So we've we've developed a, a tool within our, our our app, and the app is really the heart of it. So our smartphone app, which is Android or iOS compatible, um, uh, allows you to create a sample record. So you can uh, uh, enter where the the grain is coming from, what field it came off, what bin it's going into, All of our sample containers and uh, have barcodes on them, so you're able to really easily track the where the sample went or what container it's in, uh, the type of grain, and the volume represented. So you can say, "Look at this this three gallon container represents this 10,000 bushels that just went in this bin." So it it creates a uh, it's a record keeping mechanism that's really so much easier and so much more streamlined than what they're currently doing. And then within that, there's a tool that uh, uh, the uh, phone will beep and vibrate when it's time to take a sample. So even if you're distracted off doing something, you're, you know mm-hmm. you can feel your phone beeping and vibrating. Oh, OK, I got to go get a sample. So that's sort of the, the entry level product, which is the digital record keeping and this and sample. We call it manual sample assist. Now, we have a fully automated sampling system, which bolts on the auger uh, or conveyor and takes samples automatically. And and you can go that way if you want. But, uh, you know, that's that's another several thousand dollar investment, which not every grower can justify. So so we we really tried to uh, sort of take look at this from the simplest perspective. And say, okay, how can we help as many growers as possible? And you can do that with a scoop on a stick and and a smartphone
1: yeah so you're taking the old technology and and bringing it forward and then there's the new newer technology because if you had that if you're actually sampling every 10 minutes as mm-hmm. grains pouring through the auger into the into the truck then you would be able to say to the buyer look this is a consistent mm-hmm. thing it wasn't just the one scoop i took
3: exactly yeah so so now you have an accurate sample which yeah. when you or a representative sample so when you start to do analysis on it, whether it's with your own instruments, I mean, farmers have handheld and, and benchtop instruments for moisture yeah. and test those kinds of things. Or when you take it into your your grain, your grain buyer who may have more typically more sophisticated instruments than the grower will. Everybody has more confidence that, that right. the the analysis is actually representative of of what you know the the grain is going to delivered is going to be.
1: Okay, so Grant, you are looking at the strategic development of products through the university. And what is it that when you saw this, you went, okay, this is one of those things that could make a difference? Like, what tweaked you? Well,
2: I I, I give credit to uh, Wilf Keller, who was the past president of AgWest Bio. And we started AgWest Bio about 1988 or 89, and it brought... The theoretical world to the practical world and put some partners together so you could develop products so and it's been very successful it's a multiplier effect of several billion dollars but anyway when Will saw this product he said you know that's sort of right up your line because my past experience as an economist was on the impact of more perfect market information on how the market performs and I looked at this and said my goodness, if this can be accurate identification of the grain, the quality and quantity right at the get-go, it's going to have an impact all through the supply chain. I'll give you an example. The vice president of AgWest or of AW said the customer wants traceability. They want to know what where the grain came from that goes into my beef and goes into my buns. So if you get accuracy at the beginning, where the farmer is paid accurate and that data can be transferred down through the supply chain, you get traceability, you get efficiency, you avoid some of the mistakes, and all of a sudden your whole system becomes more accurate, people trust it, it's fair, and frankly, it's profitable for almost everybody. And right now we're trying to get the producer closer and closer to the final consumer. That's more efficient. as an economist, and I saw the results from my previous research, if you have accurate information, it has a huge impact on market performance and your supply chain. So somebody interested in the food business, as well as being a farmer myself, I mean, this is uh, this is a bit revolution- revolutionary. I'll give you one typical example. Yep. GPS was invented in the United States by the military in the 70s. In the 90s, John Deere said, I think I can put it on a sprayer. What it was, was accuracy, accuracy. So you had very accurate data of what you were doing, how much you're spending, where you're going, no duplication. And it cost a couple thousand bucks. It's now all over the world. Yeah. This concept of accurate data at the beginning, after harvest, is so valuable, not only to the farmer to get paid, but for crop insurance, for banks, for traders, for consumers, for pasta producers, for barley, for malt, for dairy, everybody can see that it is accurate, honest uh, data and in real time. So, I mean, for me, it's exciting as an economist, let alone being a farmer and somebody interested in the supply chain. And it doesn't cost much more than than the couple thousand dollars or as as Ken can explain, a, a fraction of a cent a bushel, to put yeah, it on yeah. your car, and it could make you fifty cents a bushel. Could make you—I mean, it varies depending on the quality and and the the quality. Well, as the
1: as you said before, Grant, this is such a risky business because honestly, a rain at an inopportune moment, which always seems to happen, <laughs> or oh. an early frost like that, can change so much. It, not just in terms of the price for the farmer for the producer. But supply all the way down the line because if an A and W says no, I'm only going to take top grade. I don't want any of that. I want to be able to say my buns are perfect there, and my you know, um, the grain-fed beef is 100% accurate. Whatever their claim may be, yeah. then then you've got to know this. It's not just how convenient this is, or you might make an extra buck. This is this is core. Oh.
2: Yeah. And th- frankly, there's no downside unless you've been making a little bit of money that you shouldn't have been. I
1: yeah. mean, there's, yeah, yeah
2: you, you've been, some people have resisted it a bit because they say, well, look, large elevator companies didn't get rich because they paid too much. Right. <laughs> I mean, that clearly. But yeah. more and more of them are saying, you know what? It, I, we're better off if we know exactly what's going on. And if I'm loading a 100 grain cars, I might as well know the truth. And so we can both get along here so that there's less and less pushback, even from some people that maybe have been doing pretty well with inadequate information. In the
1: old system. Yeah. I was interested, Ken, in what you said, that you know that this is your fifth um, business or idea here, because when you talk to people, and, and this is just true of people who live the rural life or particularly a farm life, you can't just run to the store to solve a problem you need to figure it out in the basement or in the barn or in the garage because you got nowhere to go um were your other ideas more on that line or were they higher tech like this one
3: uh this would certainly be the the most complex product uh, i've ever been involved in because there is there's a there's a, hard, a fairly sophisticated hardware component and yeah. and and also the data management and, and this is my first sorry, that's not my first experience, but the, the app is is quite um Uh, a a substantial development so sort of the quick answer is yeah this is by far the you know uh, most uh, substantial project I've been involved in Um, and you know going back to maybe the simplest was uh, uh, a motorcycle accessory uh, for years ago so yeah I've been been what
1: what was that just tell us that
3: Oh, it, it was uh, it was just a safer. You know, you see how these motorcycles are transported on in the back of the trucks or on on yeah. trailers, and and they you need a, a way to hold them up safely. And and we actually, my brother was involved. I knew it was maybe his idea originally, but uh, we uh, turned it into something that uh, actually a, a short story. Uh, uh, I ended up chatting with uh, Jay Leno about putting them on his uh, fire truck. <laughs> so it was kind of, that was a very fun project. Uh, um,
1: and, and did it go, is it uh, an, a viable product? Is Jay using it? Like what happened?
3: You know, I don't know what Jay ever did, but it certainly was viable. It, the product line got sold off to a, an Ontario company. And the last I was involved with it, it was uh, selling thousands of units. Uh, a year, oh. so it was a it was a a, a really a really fun project.
1: That's uh, the thing about um, I don't know insight, creativity. Grant, I know you're an economist, but I know you also look at these things and see it. Are we entering in Saskatchewan? Do you think another stage of our development where? Where this just isn't about the quarter section farmer and making enough to, you know, feed the family and move on that this is now we are in the uh, ag tech food industry business in a in a very different way than we used to be. Uh,
2: no question. No question. Uh, farmers are extremely, most of them are extremely well trained, can use technology. They're familiar yeah. with the phone. They're larger and larger acres. and. They like to think that if they know what's going on, their information that they have is is valuable. I'll give you a couple of examples. So, if you have a couple hundred thousand bushels of durum wheat and it's been verified by Verigrain, you know exactly the quality and all the characteristics. You can phone a pasta producer in Italy, and you know with with a, a data trust or blockchain or some combination of managing data, you can arrange the wholesale and the transportation. Now that is evolutionary because you can do it because you know exactly and because it's confidential. And that the other interesting thing is that the marketplace as i mentioned at harvest time and you pointed it out it's a mess sometimes. Yeah. You don't know what's really going on out there. So if you know in real time as people harvest and there's people across the prairies doing this you know that customer wants to know the banker wants to know he's financing prop insurance wants to know all that data becomes extremely valuable if if you can imagine because you know immediately you're not waiting six months down the road to see what come out of the bin so what Ken has done here is brought accurate data to the marketplace in real time so you can trust it it's honest and you'll get paid for what you you, you have and you're going to have supply chain efficiencies. I think, like you see with GPS, it's made a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, and that's why people for a couple of grand will buy it, put it on every implement they have, because there's no downside. What's the downside of knowing what the truth is when you harvest? So I, I think the market is going to respond significantly because people get that, they figure it out, right? So for that modest amount of money, either cents per bushel or a fraction of a cent or whatever that might be, it's it's I mean go for it I mean I should have one in every farm and every seed plant and and so on so I see it as as a real game changer uh in in the marketplace
1: but when you use the example of the Italian pasta maker I mean is that is that what farmers now what producers have to do they've got to be not just leaving that to the elevator to sell to somebody else, to a, a a larger, that you can do these deals yourself? I mean, how do you get it there?
3: Yeah,
2: Well, so, go ahead. Well,
3: <laughs> we feel, what, yeah, this fall when we did our pilots, uh, a, a lot of the, the pilots were in conjunction with green market coaches, which are becoming more and more sort of prevalent. Uh, and what the coaches do is that they provide that, Sort of connection from the grower to those, okay. not, not necessarily private deals, but but grower grower direct uh, deals. So, so Ken, uh,
1: what you're telling me is this is a dating app. Is that how this works? Yeah. No,
3: no, no. <laughs> what, what we what we provide, as Grant said, is is that accuracy and sort of that truth. It's the, the, yeah. the you know verified verified by Verigrain because the, the fundamental problem that. Everyone we've ever talked to in the industry, especially from a buying perspective, but also at the grower level says, you know, man, if we, if, you know, if we had a better sample, we'd, we'd you know, be a lot further down to, to knowing what we've actually got to deal with. So as you can imagine, as a green marketing coach, you're you know you're trying to find the best price for your customer, your grower's grain, and you're not exactly sure what he's what you know what they've got. So yeah. um, we're working with them to access the growers to you know to promote this product so that the the, the coaches have better information uh, and they can then pass that along to the or, or you know ultimately the buyer can have that information. So for example, one of the projects we're looking at. Um, is it, with one of our, our grain coach companies is tracking uh, from from the, the farm to a processor, then one, like a local processor. Once it's processed, it goes on a train, the train goes to the coast and the coast jump, dumps into a ship and the ship goes to Japan. <laughs> and right. and we want to be able to track it, the grain from the field to maybe not quite the chopsticks, but, um, yeah. you know, all the way. To, and, and to be able to do that, you, first of all, have to have an act a representative sample at each point along the way, and right. then and then you can you know confirm what the, the so you
1: keep system. tracing it along the delivery system exactly
3: yeah so there's there's a lot more of that going on as opposed to I mean, historically growers have say, gone to your three or four local buyers and said, you know, what will you give me for this? And, and then right. you do a deal. Whereas now there's a growing component of the market. And I'm, I think it's maybe in that 15% range, uh, where the, the growers and the buyers are interacting directly. Now that's happened for years in the malting business, you know, oats yeah. is, is a very common one. Flax is another one, you know, pulses again, very, that's very common yeah. as well. So, uh, everybody in that space, just, it, it, it's a lot better day when the truck pulls in the driveway and it actually has on it what what you bought or what you what you you know, what you're, sold. So that that's what we're shooting for, uh, as much as anything here. It's not so much. There are kind of the dating apps out there, but what <laughs> we do is we provide accurate information. So yeah. when you have that date and you sit down for coffee with the person that you uh, <laughs> are dating, <laughs> they actually look like the picture.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And and not thirty years older. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, the the other. No, I comment- see. Go ahead. I was just going to say other comment I make, and this is we've collaborated with uh, with the MNP's uh, ag tech group a bit, and and something that they've researched and found out, and, and have talked about is the fact that. Of, 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 the difference between a viable farm and a successful farm um, is about $100 an acre. That's I mean, So that's about, you know, 20% or 15 to 20%. What do you mean, what
1: you would have to put into it in terms no, of... No, no,
3: in terms of the, what your product or your uh, value per acre that you're producing. Okay. So okay. typically, well, that used to be five or $600 with the green prices. Yeah. Now it's like 800 or $1,200. But so if you can, can, you know, increase your revenue line by 20% um, and, and you're already viable, basically, you know, all of the, the, the value or all of the revenue just goes straight to your bottom line. So they and they said, you know, there's not that much you can do with input costs. I mean, you you know, you can buy early okay. and you can save a few cents here and there. But the savings are the, 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 you know, the gains are not in the input side of things. It's in what you do after harvest. Okay. And that's that's the piece that, that we sense really
1: sense. get involved in. Yeah. It's a very, very different uh, operation now, um, Grant. Mm-hmm. And we're also living in a world where everybody, the local farmer in Saskatchewan, is subject to supply chain issues because of COVID. And, I mean, honestly, this is so uh, such an unpredictable business. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, that there's a a certain sense of satisfaction if you're a farmer and you face so much risk because you, I mean, it's just the way the life is on the farm, but then you can get a little bit of market power because you know exactly what you have. That's, that's like a leg up and a smile. And if that gives you a little bit more net profit at the end of the day, because you're getting exactly what you should. I mean, that's, that's, that's not only a feel good thing, but it's a heck of a date. I mean, that's, That's really valuable. And I I can see these young farmers and particularly these bigger farmers, like we sharing our equipment with a fellow that's farming several hundred thousand acres. You've got the seed plant. They're gonna put the whole enchilada in that seed plant because they're doing thousands and thousands of bushels and everything coming in and everything going out will be accurate. And so as people are excited about it because for the first time they'll know even though they love the farmer and even though they're farming themselves and they're selling seed, everybody knows the truth. And then you can trust the transactions. So it's a it's market power for the farmer. It's actually more efficient information in real time for all the people that are going to buy and finance and put it together, the transportation system and the end buyers. And I'll just say more and more people are trying to avoid the bulk marketing operation and go mm-hmm. to the credit. Mm-hmm. And- and that is backed up by the demand for traceability. And that's right from the retail level, as I mentioned with the endobe. So it's getting support from both ends of the both ends of the supply chain.
1: Yeah. The the days of the small farmer, the quarter section farmer, the half-section farmer, I noticed that even around my hometown, I mean, there used to be you know, 10 farms as you go down the road. Now there's two um, because it does really have to be a big operation. We, you, you can't afford all of this, nor is it really worth it if you're farming a quarter section.
2: Well, I, I will say that, I mean, the very, very large farms and the uh, the Hutterite colonies and so forth have massive yeah. bargaining power, right? Because they're so large. But if you're a smaller farmer, You can get a leg up by knowing exactly what you have. There's no downside in knowing. So if you're farming five or 10,000 acres and you want a little leg up, tell the boys I've got a bare grain verified. I know exactly what it is and I want to get paid properly. So it's, it's like GPS. It doesn't cost that much in a relative sense to make you give you a nice lift. So I think it's going to be applicable to to everybody out there.
1: Is a lot of the uh, high tech, I mean, when you see the pieces of equipment that now are driving around farms and they're all uh, computer guided, you know, they know where to turn, they know how much seed to put in this row, they know how much fertilizer is needed. Um, Are we losing that touch with, you know, uh, with Ken's dad, the the guy that wants to farm until they die?
3: Well, I I, th- I think it's somewhat inevitable. Um, the the you know the uh, uh, technology is just s- such a big part of advancing uh, farming of growing more. I mean, one of the, the challenges that I've seen uh, over you know, over the last thirty years uh, is you know there's been a lot of advances in, in growing more. You know, we've seen production um, quantities, you know, yields increase substantially um yeah. and, and yeah. yeah that's kind of hit hitting a bit of a plateau because you can only squeeze so much out right um so it's it's you know from my perspective I, I i you know we're focusing on okay what do we do after the field after harvest to ensure that yeah. the you know g- grain is used for its optimal purposes um well and, and even a simple thing like uh the, um, the amount of spoilage uh, or you know waste and loss due to, to spoilage from moisture uh, even, it's horrible globally. And even in in the first world countries it's it's a, a staggering number. So you know if you can identify early um, you know grain moisture and temperature, Uh, So that's, you know, and we look at uh, where are we going from here? Okay, first thing, yes, we've got this, uh, uh, an accurate sample. We've got a a digital record of that sample. But now the next phase for us is, and you sort of asked about this earlier, but it's adding on sort of the technology so that in real time or near real time, you can can get an accurate analysis of that grain. And there's already, the technology exists to do that. Uh, yeah and, and so we and, and we've got conversations going on with companies literally around the world that that have those real-time technologies for analysis so that we can you know 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 what's com- coming off the field sooner uh and make better decisions and so that you know more of the grain gets used for its optimal purpose um and and you know doesn't end up going bad. Yeah, wasted
1: world. no i mean this is the reality of the world uh we need to grow more the the mm. pressure is on to do that because we we you know we're talking about not just climate refugees but food refugees uh moving around the globe in in search of something um more predictable and and so is it fair to say grant that we are really going from Bread basket of Canada or of the world to high tech hub is is that overstating it or is it a fair description?
2: And prob- it's probably fair. I, I would say you know some of the farmers that I know uh, in the province here employ twenty five families year round. Yeah, and that's so it's a different lifestyle, and yeah. uh, the, you have a young couple and they're working for a large farmer. The, the guy may be running combines and trucks and sprayers and whatever, his wife is a brain coach and they're working in the ag industry and they're working with a large family farm. And I mean, I've seen several of those. So it, it's changed. And rather than often these young people say that I'm going to, you know, live in the country here, but after school, I got to drive to the city for sports and recreation and all these other things. The wife says, look, we're living in the city and you can go out to the farm and you can live in the trailer during the day or night or whatever, but the action is going to be in the city. So that's that's changed the dynamics in many cases. And there's still lots of people who live on farms and ranches. But for most of the the non-school activity, let alone school activity, is in the larger centers and you want your children to learn. So you can't spend all day on a school bus and all day then after school driving them back and forth and back and forth. So you see a change in the in the in the in the way it's arranged right now. But those 25 families can be very, very happy working for a very large farm, maybe part of the farm. And some of them have different financial arrangements. So I think it's inevitable. I think you're it's going to be a high-tech hub. All these young people literally are comfortable on the phone, as you know. And so they, yeah, they're not yeah. intimidated by any of that. And if they can use it to their advantage and make more money, be more efficient. Uh, again, I don't see the downside.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, the other something I mentioned to that one of
2: our, our
3: shareholders who runs a, about a 25,000 acre farm said when he buys new equipment, he gets every bit of technology he can on that because you cannot count on the quality of farm labor so as a as a farm manager, he needs to you know basically know that somebody can push a button um, and and you know watch the monitors. and if there's a problem, you call you know you call geek. So yeah. you know that farm labor availability, both in terms of quantity and quality, is a is a really big driver of uh, from a technology development perspective as well.
1: Yeah, because we've seen rules on both the federal and the provincial side restricting people from coming in uh for work purposes we we see lots of people crossing borders but but not necessarily to come to work so how many of the i mean that's a that then becomes a part of the a key part of the puzzle
3: yeah well I, and yeah i would want to say there's a lot of the growers that i've i, I know i there's mean, their, their workforces from other parts of the world from the ukraine yeah. from south africa from portugal so you know, it's it's a great illustration of the you know, those are that's the reality of of farm labor these days.
1: Grant, you're you do this uh, through these um, these high tech um, operations based at universities, sometimes where you're seeing these ideas come forward. Is it um, burgeoning? Is there a lot of stuff? Are people really turning their head to this in the context of agriculture?
2: Well, I think we could probably do a little better job at the university, to be fair, in our connection with agriculture and mining. Yeah, uh, mining. The closer you can bring the theory to the what the world needs out there, and then U of S's motto is what the world needs. You identify what farmers need and miners need and energy producers need. And then if you can combine your theoretical knowledge with their practical need, then you're going to make a significant difference. So I think we're getting better and better at that. I think the whole world of polytech uh, is doing marvelous work in that same area. And the closer we can bring that technical world to the academic world, in my view, uh, the more efficient and more effective we're going to be. So a little bit like going back to the model of Ag West Bio, that's what it did. That's what it did. And it has, they've done a multiplier effect on it and it's amazing because you were dealing with real life problems. There's certainly a role in the university for pure research, but then if you're going to be the university your world needs, you better find out what they need so yeah. that you can combine the research with their needs and then be more productive, and more efficient. And so I think what Agwest Bio did in Ken's case is bring those minds together because we gave a pitch, oh years ago, Ken and I did at Agwest Bio, and the dean of engineering just got it bingo. She said She's yeah, right yeah. on blockchain. Right? <laughs> she just right, and so. It, and she's theory right i mean yeah but yeah, yeah, but yeah. got it so if the if the practical farmer gets it and the dean of engineering gets it or the dean of computer science gets it uh then you know that you've got something going so the more that we can connect like that the better it is for everybody. right
1: yeah i know it's a really interesting story and and i think uh uh, a real insight into how the world is changing. You know, we're not talking about farmers standing around leaning against the truck with a piece of straw on their teeth here. This is uh, this, yeah. this is the whole new game. Yeah, well, and I think, but the attitude of the farmers, young ones
2: out there, they remind me of my grandfather, and he'd say, don't say whoa in a mud hole, right? I mean, they're very, <laughs> very, very, very damn determined. And despite the weather, despite the rest of it and the challenge of technology, I mean, they're tough. Uh, I'm yeah. proud of them. I mean, they're very tough, uh, durable folks. And uh, like they said, if you don't say mud hole, you won't get stuck, right? Keep it going. So.
1: Oh, that's, that's exactly right. Grant, uh, great to talk with you. Uh, Grant Devine, Vice President of Strategic Development at Bear Grain. Uh, was premier, and we'll make sure we got this right, of province of Saskatchewan, 1982 to 1991. Thanks so much for joining us today. And can to you, uh, I really appreciate that work that started out there, that that inventor's mind that's there somewhere, it's really important that uh, that that keeps going. Really, thank you so much for your time. And I've got to say for your music, I know you got a little taste of it at the beginning there, the folks that are listening, but we're going to play the whole thing. So just to say again, this is music lyrics production by Ken Jackson. Yes, he's the CEO of Aragrain. Uh, but he also has this hidden talent. This is a song that he um, created in tribute to his father, and it's called "Farm Until I Die." So we'll take a listen to that as we say goodbye. Thanks again, gentlemen. Bye. Thanks,
3: Thank panel. Thank you, sir. Bye.
0: step outside. Man, I love this farming life, it's good to be alive. I don't do this for the money, and I don't mind the overtime. Well, I love to plant and watch things grow the way it feels when I combine. Sometimes it's hard because you never know if it's rain or wind or shine, but there's nothing I love doing more, and a farm until I die. Climb into my pickup truck and I head out for the field Four hundred acres laying bare just waiting for some seed I fire up my seeding rig and I pull it into gear And I hope the weather will fall in line for a bumper crop this year I don't do this for the money and I don't mind the overtime well I love to plant and watch things grow the way it feels when I come by. Sometimes it's hard because you never know if it's rain or wind or shine But there's nothing I love doing more and I'll farm until I die I was raised in the country and that's where I want to be I like the space and the quiet and the air that I can breathe There's nothing wrong with city folks, just not the place for me the farm's my home where I can roam It's the place where I am free Turn to gold, but the nights are getting longer and soon there'll be the cold we bring out the combines and the dust fills the air round and round as the crop goes down harvest time is here i don't do this for the money and i don't mind the overtime well i love to plant and watch things go the way it feels when i combine Sometimes it's hard because you never know If it's rain or wind or shine But there's nothing I love doing more And I'll farm until I die Yeah, there's nothing I love doing more And I'll farm until I die